Gracious Father, Lord, I, I pause this morning just to ask that through your spirit uh, that you would direct our thoughts, that uh, as we have just sung, that they'll know that we are Christians by our love. Father, we acknowledge the fact that the only reason we love is because you first loved us, that you have shown us what true love is, not the world that, uh, that thinks what they know love to be, but what love is genuinely because you are the God who is love. Um, but you are so much more than even love itself uh, as we think about all of the attributes that speak to uh, who you are as the good God of all. Uh, and so, Father, as we open up your word this morning, as we realize that uh, there is something that we as believers, we as brothers and sisters in Christ, we as the church of Christ, uh, have the responsibility to do. Uh, there are things that you are calling us uh, to do and to be uh, so that the world may know uh, who you are. Uh, and so, Father, may that be real to us this morning. May you teach us through your spirit. May you be glorified by all that's said this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, as you know, we spent a month looking at verse 11 and this morning, we're going to look at verses 12 through 16 uh, in one week. Because everything that follows after verse 11, as we see these offices that Christ has given to the church that he purchased with his own blood, as it says in verse 11, the apostles and prophets which laid the foundation of the church, uh, and the evangelist and the shepherd teachers uh, that ever since the, the foundation was laid have continued to be faithful to communicating the gospel good news of salvation in Christ alone uh, and proclaiming the word of God to every generation so that you and I this morning have the very words of God. Uh, we do not have someone's interpretation of what God said. We have the very words of God in our Bibles that we can study each and every day. And you're going to see that theme uh, kind of weaved in and through our time together this morning. But we need to realize that there is a purpose for which Christ established these offices and gave these gifts to the church. Uh, they're not just an end in themselves. They're not just an office to fill. They're not something that you punch in and punch out from. Uh, these are offices that have a particular purpose, a particular outcome that we need to see this morning because we're the church. Uh, and as the church, we need to know well, you know, who God is, but also what God expects of us. What is the result of us gathering together on a Sunday? Uh, we enjoy the fellowship. We enjoy seeing one another. We enjoy singing. Uh, but there is so much more uh, to the Christian life, and we're going to see what that is this morning. So as we uh, begin, this look at verse 12. Uh, it begins by saying, "...to equip the saints for the work of the ministry." So let's just pause there for a minute, because as we're going to see, there are uh, five things in these few verses that are the purpose for Christ's diverse gifts. And the first is that of equipping. Uh, in Greek, that means to put right, uh, so that as we are under uh, the, the teaching of the church, uh, as people share their gifts that God has given them for the building up of the body, uh, it is for the purpose of the pastor teacher, the evangelist, to equip the church for the work of the ministry. Uh, and it, you'll notice it says saints. 
So as we go back to the beginning of the book of Ephesians, we know that every believer in Jesus Christ, every son and daughter of God is a saint because of Christ. And so this is speaking of believers. And so it says here, and allow me to, you know, put in there, believers at Ellington Baptist Church. Ellington Baptist Church is here for the purpose of equipping you for the work of the ministry. Now, you'll notice it doesn't say retirement of the ministry. It doesn't say uh, that uh, the play of ministry. It says the work of ministry. Because it is a lot of work to continue to be students of the Word of God. It is a lot of work to read the Word of God, have the Word of God have its perfect work in your life. It is a lot of work because God is calling you because he's gifted each and every believer here this morning with a gift that is not for you, but for the benefit of the body. And so as a pastor teacher, my you know, uh, calling is that of putting right or equipping you as believers, you as my brothers and sisters in Christ, for the work of the ministry. Just as God is you know, equipping me and as you really are equipping me as well. Uh, it's, again, not just a top-down model. We are all being equipped for the work of the ministry. And the very best way I can do that as the pastor teacher is to show you by an example, to be a good student of the Word of God, to live my life in light of the Word of God, uh, to continue to encourage you, not with some easy, you know, believism or, you know, five easy steps in order for you to, ha- you know, have your best life now, as some have written, because this is not the best life now. The best is yet to come. But in the meantime, we are called uh, and we are being equipped so that you can exercise your spiritual gift in service to your fellow saints all for the glory of God. Not for the namesake of Ellington Baptist Church. Not for the namesake of the pastor of Ellington Baptist Church or the pastors of Ellington Baptist Church. Not for yourself, but for the glory of God. Because we're giving testimony to the fact that we have been changed, that we have been rebirthed. That's right. We should be all about sharing the hope that's within us. You know, something that the men have enjoyed for the last three weeks at men's Bible study is, is that the men have been sharing their testimonies. And those testimonies are talking about how God had brought them to a point of repentance and faith and trust in Jesus. And that's an encouragement because they shared the hope that's within them, and that encourages other believers to be lifted up in their faith to realize that, you know what, your story may be slightly different than mine, but something that's common between the both is that we were both sinners in need of salvation and that God did a great work in our lives. And the thing is, is part of this equipping, this putting right is to make disciples of Jesus, not disciples of Bill Diggins, not disciples of Ellington Baptist Church, not disciples of a particular belief system, but disciples of Jesus, to be Christ-like. And as we will find and as we'll finish, as we culminate all of this, is to live out the Word of God. Because the Word of God is not just a textbook. It's not just scholarship. It's not just wisdom from above. It is something practical, something that we each 
need each and every day so that we can live out the Word of God because the Word of God, as you think about the power of words, we have the power to build up or to tear down with our words. Can you imagine perfect words? Words spoken not with an agenda, but spoken from the righteous, holy, loving, merciful, gracious God of all. Those would be words we should hold tight, close to our hearts, realizing that those words can change who we are and give us the ability to even live in a hostile environment. No matter what man may do to the flesh, we can trust the God who saves, who saved each and every one of us as we trusted in him. So equipping is the first thing that, that our purpose of Christ's diverse gifts. The second it comes also out of verse 12, and that is building up. It goes on to say, for building up the body of Christ. So to equip the saints for the work of the ministry, for building up the body of Christ. So in other words, not building up a person, not building up a ministry, but building up the body of Christ, building up what God has done right here through each and every one of us, starting with salvation. But then using that unique gifting that he has given each and every one of you to actually build up this local body of believers. So that where we are in the United States, where we are in the world, the generation that we are living in, that God is going to equip us and build us to effectively minister to what we face as a generation, as a people of God in 2023, but also, too, so that the gospel message can go out, a gospel that does not change with time, a gospel that is still all about Jesus and all about our need of a Savior. See, this building up is being strengthened in the faith or being strengthened by the very Word of God. Again, People can tell you all kinds of things. You can look on the internet and find all kinds of YouTube videos to listen to of this pastor or that pastor or, you know, this teacher, you know, or this person who says, you know, if you just do these few things, you're going to feel that much better about yourself. See, the thing is, is we have something the world does not, and that is saving faith and a faith that strengthens us the more that we look heavenward and the more we apply the word of God. So if we go back to verse 1, so that we may walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which we've been called. See, there's, there's an end result in all of this. Not just to save us from hell. Not to save us from the wrath of God on our sin. But to produce believers that equip and build up the body of Christ. So that we can be here for one another so that we can face the challenges of life and the challenges of our generation, so that the Word of God can continue to do its great work as it, you know, is a two-edged sword that divides, shows us the way to go, tells us what we should believe, because it's the truth. It doesn't change. Just because the culture changes, just because man repackages his sin in different ways does not change the truth of the Word of God. That's why it's applicable today. That's why it can change us and continue to equip and build us up. But also third, in verse 13, is unity. So equipping, building up, and unity. It says in verse 13, until we all, not just some of us, not just those that 
pursue, not just the ones that would like it to be, until we all attain to the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God. It's a mouthful. Unity. Now, this is not unity just for the sake of a united church. There's a distinction here. Because some would compromise biblical truth in order to be united. To be a united church and affront against everything that is against the church or everything that's evil in the world. But see, this, this unity is a unity of the faith. So that, that faith that we've been speaking about, that faith in Jesus Christ, that oneness, as you go back to um, verse 4... There is one body, one spirit, just as you were called to one hope that belongs to your call, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. It's in that faith, which is a gift from God, that we are to be united in. Not altering it to fit and make us feel comfortable in the world. It needs to remain and be what it is. Unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God. So what is our knowledge to be about? Not what the latest sports score is or what the latest trend is in body fitness. It says here that this unity is in the knowledge of the Son of God. In other words, you should know who Jesus is, not just as the one who saves you, but as the, third, or the second person in the Trinity, the Son of God, to know him, not just as a matter of fact, but to know him experientially. To have a knowledge of the Son of God, like that there is knowledge within the Godhead, which is complete, which is full, which is all-knowing, for us to attain and to pursue this knowledge in such a way that this Christ-likeness produces unity because we all have those things in common. So it's not just my faith because the, the word of God is the same from every generation. You can go back to whatever generation you want and the truth does not change. This Christ-likeness that produces unity is loving the Lord your God with all your heart, your mind, your soul, and strength, which will produce a love for your neighbor. It is forgiving others as Christ and God has forgiven you. It is seeing that it is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. It is growing in the grace and the knowledge of Jesus Christ. It is thinking about what is true and honorable and just and pure and lovely and commendable and excellent and worthy of praise. It's setting your minds on things that are above, presenting your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and acceptable to God, walking by the Spirit so that you do not gratify the desires of the sinful flesh. See, it's the Word of God that binds us together because all those truths, that loving, that forgiving, that seeing, that growing, that thinking, that setting, that presenting, that walking should be the same for each and every one of us. Now, I'm different from you, but what is transforming us, what is making us Christ-like, is the same. Holiness, to be holy, to be perfect as God is perfect, which we know we cannot attain. Only Jesus can give us a, a holiness, not our own. 
a righteousness not our own, but we're pursuing, we're working towards eradicating those sinful desires, you know, having the Spirit remove that old nature, that old man, as he replaces it with that new man and that love for God rather than self. See, that's what unifies us, is what the Word of God teaches us, that Christ-likeness. There's not multiple Christ-likeness. Either you're Christ-like or you're not Christ-like. Fourth is maturity. Verses 13 and 14. Until we all attain to the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness in deceitful schemes. So it's maturity to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. So that everything that you are, not erasing your, who you are, but knowing that your new identity is in Jesus Christ, that you become full of Christ and not full of yourself. To the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. See, the church should not just be filled with infant Christians. That doesn't mean that there's not infant Christians in the church because God is still building his church. There are people still being transformed by the saving grace and power of salvation in Jesus Christ. So a new believer is an infant in Christ because they still have a whole lot to learn. And even those that are mature still have a lot to learn because the word of God continues to transform us as we expose ourselves to that word. 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 2 and 3 says, Like newborn infants long for the spiritual, pure spiritual milk, that by it you may grow up to salvation, if indeed you have tasted that the Lord is good. Think about a newborn baby. You know, I've been enjoying all these little babies and being able to hold them. I got to hold Clark this morning and got, you know, more smiles than I've ever gotten if it was just me standing there. I know, I understand. (laughs) But think about all those babies' needs. They're newborns. And what are their words of communication? Sometimes it's a great smile, but most of the time, and you can ask every parent in here, it's crying. It's fussing, it's screaming, because I want something. So that baby still needs milk, in order to continue to grow physically. You know, one of the comments as, as people were coming in this morning, I was watching as people were interacting with Caden and Clark as they were standing in the entryway and saying, well, look how big Clark is getting. Well, it's not because, you know, Caden and Amy have been depriving Clark of what he needs as a newborn, but instead giving him exactly what he needs so that he can continue to grow. But the, the goal is, is not for Clark 20 years from now well, let me, we'll give them the benefit of the doubt. 25 years from now, still whining and complaining and wanting Kate and Amy to feed him and to take care of him and everything else. The goal is, is for him to mature, to become an adult physically. 
And that picture is the same as we look at who we are in Christ Jesus from a spiritual standpoint. As newborn infants long for the pure spiritual milk of the word. So in other words, the word of God should be something that you crave, you long for. You you can't live without it. Because the word of God, it continues to change you, to transform you, to mature you in the faith. Paul in Philippians 3 said this in verses 12 and following. He says, not that I've already obtained this or am already perfect, but I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus has made me his own. Brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind, straining forward to what lies ahead. I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Let those of us who are mature think this way. And if anything you think otherwise, God will reveal that also to you. I love that. It's almost like a sense of humor that Paul is saying here is that if you don't get it, guess what? God's going to help you see it. So if you are mature, how are you to think? You are to strain forward to what lies ahead. You are to press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. That's what someone mature thinks. Because God did not save us by his grace through the sacrifice of his son for us to remain babies, whining and complaining all the time like a baby does. The goal is maturity for us to grow in our faith as we take in the word of God, which we are truly blessed. I don't even have to to guess that every one of you here has at least one Bible in your home. So you're without excuse because you have the word of God, something you can go back to each and every day. Paul in Colossians 1, 28 and 29 said it this way. He says, Him we proclaim, warning everyone and teaching everyone with all wisdom that we may present everyone mature in Christ. For this I toil, struggling or striving with all his energy that he powerfully works within me. See, what the word of God does is it stabilizes us so that we can continue to grow. Because the challenges of life are going to present themselves When you have raised a kid, you understand that there is going to be challenges, things that you did not expect. And no one gave you an instruction manual on this, you know, gift from God. Well, maybe he did. The instruction manual is right here. See, I'm still learning. I'm still maturing. See, there's a stark reality that if you do not mature, you become a target. Let me say that again. If you don't mature, you become a target. See, children are easy targets for predators. Now, just take a step out of the scripture for a moment and look at our culture today. Babies are aborted in the wombs, gender transition surgery, but don't tell your parents, homosexuality. All these things within our culture Do you notice where they're attacking? Children, even infants. See, when we think about it from a spiritual standpoint, a child is still learning what's right. If you're around a new believer, they're super excited about everything 
and the salvation that they have, but have little knowledge of the rest of the word of God. And so that's why they need to be discipled. That's why they need to be brought along and taught those foundational truths of the word of God. How to live so that you may glorify God. It says there in the text, it says, tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine. Think about, you know, something that is in the ocean, a boat that has no power. And as the waves come, it's, you know, moving left and right, up and down, just at the mercy of those waves or the wind. You know, when there is a tremendous storm or a tornado or a hurricane, that wind is merciless when it comes in contact with things that are stationary, things that are moving. It can destroy, just like the waves can destroy. And it says here that we we need to be growing and maturing so that we are no longer children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine. Now, it's not going to happen just by osmosis. Would have been great if we would have just been born again to complete maturity in Christ and wouldn't have anything else to learn. But see, that's not how God designed it. He designed it so that we would still rely on him each and every day. We still need him. We'll be with him for all of eternity, but we're still growing in the grace and knowledge of Jesus Christ. It says, by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. Because there are those that are going to come and those that are spiritually immature that don't take and spend time in the Word of God or around other believers or, you know, go to Bible studies or take the time to get together to pray with other believers, then they're going to be pulled one direction or another. But every direction other than towards God himself. That's why later on in the book of Ephesians, chapter 6, it says, put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. See, we need to be maturing in our faith, not just remaining stagnant, not being satisfied that, well, I've lived a whole lot of years and I've done enough. You know, we never reach maturity where there's always something that the word of God is going to mature in us. And even when you think you've exhausted a particular scripture, which I've had people tell me, well, I know everything there is to know about the book of Genesis, Pastor Bill, so you know what? You just need to get through Genesis faster. See, that's someone who is closed down, thinking they know everything there is to know, when in reality there's still a whole lot more they need to know. Because God's still teaching us. I'm still learning. Each and every week is an exercise in discovery and joy at watching what God is doing in me first and then given the opportunity to proclaim that to you as my brothers and sisters in Christ so that I can equip you for the building up of the body of Christ so that there may be unity and maturity. And lastly, there is speaking the truth in love, verses 15 and 16. It says, rather speaking... The truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ. So Paul didn't leave it to any guessing. We're not supposed to grow up into each other. 
We're supposed to grow up into Christ, who is the head in every way. Not just the ways that we assign as pertinent in our Christian walk, every way. See, there's something that Christ can teach us in every aspect of our lives, even if we think we've got it mastered. Verse 16, from whom the whole body joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. See, when our focus is in the right spot, then that is when the body of Christ is going to grow. It's not going to grow from the ministries. It's not going to grow from the the person who's the teacher behind the pulpit. Now, you may look and say, well, there's a lot of big churches out there, Pastor Bill. Yes, there are. Does it mean that a church, just because they're big, is a church that is mature or full of believers that know Jesus Christ? See, the church holds the truth in as much as she stands on the scriptures. Let me say that again. The church holds the truth in as much as she stands on the scriptures. See, we're supposed to speak the truth, acting out the truth in love. It is the church growing up in every way into Christ who is the head. Well, how does that happen? Well, when we find ourselves being equipped, built up, are unified in that one faith and are growing and maturing in our faith, then that is going to give us the ability to speak the truth in love. See, the word of God rightly and unashamedly proclaimed. And so that asks, you know, bodes the question, what is the gauge of a healthy church? Is it the numeric size of the church? Is it the number of programs or services? No, it's when each part is properly working. That is when it makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. So as we are obedient to what God is calling us to do in exercising that spiritual gift that Christ has tailored for you for the benefit of the body, that is when the body itself is, is growing and building itself up in love. See, it's all about God. It's all about Jesus. It's all about the Holy Spirit. It's not about the programs. Even if I was the greatest orator in the world, if I'm doing that devoid of the Spirit, then all I am is a resounding gong. I'm probably going to embarrass Dan Petroza, but he oftentimes finds things on social media and uh, there's many times where it's just an encouragement to me and he posted something yesterday that fits in right here in my sermon and I, I, I wrote it in. It says, the church is not about how many chairs are filled but how many lives are transformed. That's the health of the church. And as we are obedient, as we are becoming more Christ-like, more holy, more God-glorifying, then that's when God is going to work his great work, no matter what the size of the church is. Remember, the church belongs to him, and he is the one who is equipping the church. He is the one giving to that church what it needs so that the church can glorify God and live in the world in which we find ourselves. But see, as we're obedient in each one of those spiritual gifts... As we are communicating the gospel, God's going to continue to grow his church. There's still people that need to be saved. There are still people that need to mature in their faith because they're, they're stuck 
Still drinking milk, still taking in, but not giving out. See, being a child of God is not a spectator sport. It is not entertainment. It's work. It takes work. Work that has to be done in the power of the Holy Spirit. So I want to close by sharing you know, how this informs our lives today. As you've seen, I've talked about living out the Word of God. I've talked about being strengthened by the Word of God. I've talked about the Word of God binding us together. I've talked about the Word of God stabilizing us. I've talked about the Word of God being rightly and unashamedly proclaimed. Do you see the thread? See, it's the Word of God. Not my words, the Word of God that's going to change us, that's going to transform us. You know, in Acts chapter 2, verses 42 through 43a, speaking of the, the, the infant young church as it's beginning, says, and they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and fellowship to the breaking of bread and to prayers, and all came upon every soul. See, the thing is, is that as we expose ourselves, and the apostles' teaching here would be the equivalent of the word of God for us today, because the apostles and the prophets were, were teaching the gospel, and they were teaching those fundamental, foundational truths because it was not written down in wonderful Bible book form at that point. You'll notice the first in that list is the apostles' teaching. So the first on the list is the Word of God because the Word of God is going to transform. The Word of God is going to make it so that when we get together, we enjoy the fellowship with one another because we are of like precious faith. As we read the Word of God, it's going to help us understand that as we take communion or the breaking of bread or, or fellowshipping together over a meal, the importance of that. And as we are in the word of God, it's going to inform our prayers so that we're not praying for something that we should not be. Praying that your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So the importance of the word of God. First, the word of God is the very words of God, not man's words. See, you have to understand this. You need to see this rightly. It's God's words. God's words. And who is God? He is holy and perfect and faithful and just and righteous and loving and graceful and merciful. He is all those things. So can we trust God's word? Yes, we need to. Otherwise, it's an exercise in futility. 2 Peter chapter 1, verses 19 through 21. I'm not going to read all of it. Um, but it says here that no prophecy of Scripture comes from one's own interpretation. For no prophecy was ever produced by the will of man, but men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. See, it's God's word. He has protected it so that the truth can be here with us today. What is the truth? Right here. And we need to be students of it. We need to be in this book as much as we possibly can. Second, there is a right way to understand the word of God. 2 Timothy 2.15 says, rightly handling the word of truth. 
See, there are those that come to the Word of God with their particular slant or their particular agenda, looking for the Word of God to support what they believe as opposed to letting the Word of God transform what they believe. Because that's part of maturing and growing is that sometimes we believe the wrong things or we believe the right things for the wrong reasons. We need to come to the Word of God and see it in its literal, historical, grammatical, and contextual interpretation, allowing Scripture to interpret itself. And lastly, the Word of God is always practical. And I try very hard to come up with practical things for us to see the importance of why we're in a particular book or why we're not just jumping all around the Scriptures Because there are things in the Word of God that for each and every one of us are practical to where we are in our faith, whether we are an infant or mature, whether we're a new believer or have been a believer for decades. Let these practical words delve deep into your heart this morning. Psalm 119. Nine, how can a young man keep his way pure? By guarding it according to your word. Verse 24, same chapter, your testimonies are my delight. They are my counselors. Verse 28, same chapter, my soul melts away for sorrow. Strengthen me according to your word. Verses 92 and 93, same chapter. If your law had not been my delight, I would have perished in my affliction. I will never forget your precepts, for by them you have given me life. See, the word of God can do what no amount of man's words can do. God's words transforms us. You hear those words. It guards us. It's our counselor. It strengthens us. It's our delight. Otherwise, we would perish trying to make reason or, or any type of, you know, not scratch your head moment in our culture today, go to the word of God. Yes, this is exactly how the world is going to go because the scriptures tell us so. The scriptures also told us how we're supposed to live the Christian life. Jeremiah twenty three twenty nine says, Is not my word like fire, declares the Lord? And like a hammer that breaks the rock into pieces. See, God's word does what it needs to do at the moment it needs to do it. As the spirit of God is using it for our good. See, fire can warm, fire can burn, fire can refine, fire can melt. A hammer has the ability to build or to break. And see, God's word does that as it is maturing us in that like precious faith that we have. Because what you're facing may not be what I'm facing. How you're facing it may not be how I would face it. But the one thing that can be consistent and constant each and every day is the word of God. And that word of God being applied to our particular situation. Because those truths, those foundational beliefs, those foundational things that we can go back to never change. They don't need to change because they're perfect, because the words of God himself. 
as we think about these diverse gifts, as we think about this equipping, this building up, this unity, this maturity, this speaking the truth in love, if you have the gift of prophecy, proclaim the word of God boldly. If you have service, assist. If you are a teacher, then teach the things of the Spirit. If you have the gift of exhortation, then motivate. If you've got the gift of giving, then give. If you have the gift of leadership, then shepherd. If you've got the gift of mercy, have compassion. If you have the gift of wisdom, give godly insight. If you have the gift of knowledge, give truth. If you have the gift of faith, believe God for all things. And if you've got the gift of discernment, then discern. See, all of those gifts are for the benefit of the body as we use them for the glory of God. So what are you not doing today? Maybe you're still an infant because you think that just this 35 minutes of Pastor Bill speaking from the pulpit and singing a few songs is all you need. No. Think about a baby. What would happen if Kate and Amy only fed Clark once a day, one day a week? Do you think he'd be growing up much right now? No, Kate and Amy would probably be in jail right now. <laughs> so think about it from a spiritual standpoint. We need to be maturing in the faith because there's always going to be things that are going to challenge that faith, and so we need to know the truth. And when you know the truth, the truth not only sets you free to be able to know that you are pleasing God, but also will give you an answer to give to this generation. They may not receive it, even if it's given in love, but that's not your problem. Christ gave these diverse gifts to build up his church for his glory. It's all about God, not about us. But what are the blessings that we can have as we mature in our faith, as we watch God be faithful day in and day out, even when we're not faithful? To watch God's word strengthen us when we are down, when we feel weak. See, that's what the word of God does. You need to be in the word of God. You need to be under God's teaching as much as you possibly can. Amen? Amen. Well, let's stand together as we close out our service. We're going to sing the song, Never Be Shaken. Well, the reason you'll never be shaken is that God has you in his arms. He is upholding you by his righteous right arm. And God's word is going to continue to inform you so that you can, by the power of the Spirit, apply those truths and believe them. Exercise faith in them. Because one thing to have knowledge up here in your head, it's another thing altogether to be able to open yourself up and say, God, I trust you. I surrender to you. God will never let you down. God's word will never let you down. So let's together in unity, in maturity, Lift the name of the Lord on high as we sing, never be shaken, and sing out this morning, because we have a lot to be thankful for. Let the world know you're God's people.